The Bible tells us that the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not be in want. And what exactly does that mean when we talk about security and looking from day to day in our everyday lives? This sermon was originally recorded at Castle Rock Middle School, April 21st, 2013. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we pray that you're with us as we contemplate you as our Good Shepherd. What does that mean for us as we face the very uh, many difficulties and the many things that can fail in this life? Now we pray that you bring us strength through the Holy Spirit in your word. Amen. Uh, Today we're starting a new sermon series. Hopefully it comes up there. I need more. And you get a preview, actually. Uh, We're sending out the postcards this week, and so I might need your help collating those a bit. That would be helpful to us, just putting them in stacks of 50 in the same direction with a rubber band. Uh, That saves us a bunch of money. Um, So I need more. From a human perspective, this is where we're getting at with this. Um, Each one of us can relate on some level of things that we wish we had a little bit more of, and it might be a little bit more time, uh, might be a little bit more money, it might be a little bit more uh, faithful friends, uh, might be some more confidence in what you're trying to do. So we're going to look at each of these from a biblical perspective and see what, what does God have to say about these and what does God promise and what does God not promise. And today we're going to be um, covering one of those. So I'm excited about that. I think it's going to work out well. And we're going to cover this all the way in through the end of May and then starting in June for Grow Groups. We have a new sermon series um, which I have not thought all the readings out yet, but it's basically going to follow the people of Israel as they wander because we have to leave this facility and um, go down to the elementary school for two months. So that's kind of the theme that we're doing today. Um, today, uh, we're talking about security, and we'll, we're kind of going to touch on that. I'm guessing that most of you want things to work out in general. Is that a fact? And you work hard so that things do work out. Um, you work hard at your job. You should be nodding yes. Yes, we do work hard. You work hard at your marriages. You work hard. Um, in even little things, we try and insure, insure, that's insurance, that things are secure and that they work. And um, I'll give you an example. Um, do, how many of you change your oil every, they say 3,000, but now they, they say with good oils you can go to five. How many of you change your oil at least regularly? Right, so this, you're like, yeah, everybody does that. Well, that's not everybody. I just read about a guy who had not changed the oil in his Geo Metro for 100,000 miles. And you're thinking, Where? well, I did the math on this. I'm like, well, an oil change costs like $30. And over the course of 100,000 miles, he probably saved like $1,000 because it's 33 oil changes that he didn't have to do. So could you buy a new Geo Metro for like $1,000? So, I mean, is this like a throwaway car? So I did some research. Uh, this is on Craigslist. Geo Metro, $1,700. So he's taking a gamble here. This is my favorite part about this Geo Metro. Can you read the sticker in the window? I don't know if you can quite read it. So I tried to zoom in, but it's going to be out of focus. In the back window on both sides, it says, just for commuting. How many products can you buy that actually have an apology that is already connected to them? I wonder, do guys have suits that say only for funerals and weddings? Like they're like, normally I got my cowboy boots on, don't judge me. Or like a pair of sweatpants, I thought you could get some that say like only for around the house. So if you come to my house and I have the sweatpants on, you're like, okay, so don't, don't, don't try and make any assumptions about me. Um, this, I thought of this when I ride my, I take my wife's car once in a while and I don't have my sunglasses on, and this is like a dilemma that I have to decide. She's got kind of the lady diva glasses that are like this big. I'm like, Phew. now if I had a sign that just said, only because I don't have my sunglasses, 
I think it would work out perfectly. So we're talking today about security and things that you do. We make a lot of effort, I think, to do this. And it's not just big things that we do this. How many of you check reviews before you buy something like on Amazon? I do every time. How many of you buy, uh, check reviews before you buy a 99-cent app for your phone? I still check the reviews. This is like 99 cents, and I'm like reading through multiple reviews over 99 cents. So we make great effort to ensure that we're not disappointed in the end. You, only, you have two options. One is to get someone else's opinion, and the other is to get it from some kind of business that guarantees that this is going to succeed. So you can buy it from REI, and what happens? You could wear that thing for 10 years, and you can return it. You can get it from Costco, and as long as it's not an electronic thing, um, you can use it for wherever and say, you know what, I'm just not happy with this. That gives you a sense of security, doesn't it, that this product is not going to fail you. Now, bigger things. Um, before you pick your doctor when you move into a new area, do you ask your friends about it? Before you pick a doctor, you do that. Before you probably picked a realtor, you're going to do this. This is a big deal. That person's going to make a fair amount of money from this purchase. You want to make sure, are you happy with the person? Does this work? So these big scale things, before you pick a school, before you pick a neighborhood, before you even buy a house, you talk to people to make sure this all works. Here's the dilemma, though. With all our insurances, with all our protection agencies, with AAA and Costco's and REI and reviews, don't you wish you just had a little bit more security? Don't you just wish that things for sure would just land on all cylinders and you didn't have to worry about it? And it would just be, wouldn't it be great if there's just a moment where everything was just right and you had no fears or worries that things were going to fall through? I think that'd be fantastic. From a pastor's perspective, um, I, sh I should probably put a different slide on than that. Um, from a, <laughs> that just cracks me up. I, how often do you have to get made fun of that you actually get a sticker made to put in your window? I mean, I'm thinking, like, every day, and he's like, look at this sticker. Um, from a pastor's perspective, I struggle with security more from a church end of it than I do from my own personal life, because um, just from a physical aspect of things, if anyone who's been on the setup crew can attest, we, this is our third attempt at a different type of thing to get the slides to move along. And you probably think, like, they're so inept, they can't get This is our third attempt to get it to work, and they still don't work every time. This is our third set of speakers, our second projector. We fixed every one of the top poles that go around here. And both of our computers are matching, just in case one doesn't work, and both of our hard drives have failed in the last year and had to be redone. So what do you do? You try and protect from that stuff. You get insurance. You get like this automatic backup. You um, buy from a company that's really good, and they send you new speakers when you blow the other ones out. I mean, it all kind of works, right? However, not everything works. It doesn't. You change your oil, and you, do all, you work so hard to make sure that all, all possible errors can be taken away and things still just fail. From a pastor perspective, you know, you can buy new speakers, right? That's not a big deal. But then what happens when families move away? Just in our short time here, we've had at least five families that have moved for jobs and things like that, and we're not a big church. Or when the volunteers, just something happened, a phase of life when they're so regular and so helpful, and then suddenly they're busy. Or people move, or people that are so regular in church, from a pastor's perspective, suddenly just kind of fall off the planet. And I'm going, Lord, you know, I work hard, I pray. Why can't it just all work? on all cylinders. Can you relate to that in your own life? This idea that at any moment, the, the, the things that can fail are just countless. Um, our refrigerator died. My brother's furnace died. It cost him $10,000 for a new furnace. Do you know they cost that much? His must have like a nuclear power plant or he's, 
or he's paying a human being to like keep his heart. I don't know what the deal is. He said it's 10,000. I'm like, okay. But you're in that work. Dishwashers die. Your computer hard drives die. All these things you can't keep up with. We just came from conference and Pastor Krause, whose car, by the way, is 22 years newer than mine. But we came from conference and suddenly his fuel pump died. And so he's like, I'm pressing the gas. It's not working. So the, the wisest solution at this point is to coast to the lowest point possible on Meadows Boulevard. So we're coming in from Meadows Boulevard, and, you know, we go back to that big sign that says the Meadows uh, a Covenant Controlled Compound, I think it says. I think it says community, but I'm not positive about that. So we go, he keeps coasting down until we're underneath the railroad tracks, the lowest possible point, and his car dies. And the police, of course, are right there. They're like, what's going on here? The Covenants say, you can't keep your car here. We're like, uh-oh. So here's our dilemma. We're all cheap, and it's three pastors in a car. This sounds like a joke. And do you, how do we get rid of this car out of the road? Because you have to stay with it. And then he can stay with it, though. He can't abandon it because they were ready to lay the ticket down. And you have to pay a tow truck. He doesn't have AAA, which would be like 150 bucks. I'm guessing. So what, of course, do we do? We push it uphill for a quarter mile. Three of us, like sweat is just pouring down. <sighs> I felt like Magnus for Magnuson in the World's Strongest Man contest. So we pushed this car all the way up into the hospital parking lot. And why was that? Because the thing failed no matter what he did. And this is like a reasonably new car. I mean, it's all relative, of course. So this is our dilemma. How much does it cost for a new fuel pump? 150 bucks, and we had to do some work, but things were okay. Can you always just throw a fuel pump at stuff that's going wrong in your life? Sure, the physical, you can buy a new furnace, you can buy a new car, you can do whatever, but some things you just can't do. And look at a national scale. Does that shake your world a little bit when you hear about, like, the bombing in Boston? Or you hear that North Korea is, says they're pointing missiles at us? Or you hear about the Aurora shooting? Does this shake your world a little bit? I think it does. But my guess is this is not what keeps you awake at night. I read an article that was talking about these major kind of random catastrophes, and what it said in this article is one of the first things that we do, like a defense system, is try and disassociate from that event. So that's what we do. Like, you hear that this is an elementary school, you're like, oh, okay, my, I, we're in a middle school now, so we don't have to worry. That's way on the East Coast, we don't have to worry. Aurora is close. Like, my grandma probably thinks it is actually at the movie theater where I live or something like that, but it's close, but that's still another county away, right? And I never go to movies late at night. I mean, no one's going to bust into Brave or something like that, right? So you start to disassociate. And I'm guessing, how many of you really lost sleep over the bombing? How many of you have a fear when you go to work or you run a race that there's going to be a bombing there? It doesn't even enter my head. It really doesn't. My guess is it's things that are closer to home that keep you up at night. This is what it says um, a psalm that you no doubt know. And it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. I think that's encouraging, isn't it? But what does that mean? Does God prevent all bad things from happening to you? Are you secure from all bad things? Like in this little room, you're just protected from all dangers. What does it really mean if the Lord says, I'm your shepherd? When in this room, I know that there's people who have fought cancer. What does it mean then? What does it mean no matter how hard you work in this room, there's people who have lost pregnancies? What, is, what does it mean that the Lord is your shepherd? 
right, you worked so hard to be a conservative investor and lost thousands of dollars in the stock market. What does that mean? What does it mean when you had a secure job and now that job is just gone? What does it mean when you work so hard and it seems like you're seeing the faith of one of the kids that you raised start to drift away? What does that even mean that the Lord is your shepherd? What's he doing about it? The Lord does not promise, and this is what I'm, we're going to go from this perspective, the Lord does not promise that no bad thing is going to happen to you. But he does give us five promises, and I know that's a lot, five promises that I want to talk through through Scripture. What do you, as you face difficulties, here's the Lord's promises for you. The psalm continues, as you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What is the comfort? Just take a look at here. What is the comfort for you? So I've got to fill in the blank. The Lord is always with you, no matter what, no matter where you go. And I think there's a comfort to that, A, because of who the Lord is and what he can do. But just let's just dial it back from a human perspective. Have you ever been in your house alone and it feels creepy? No guy is going to admit this like, are you kidding me? I could be in a dungeon and it'd be fine. But I mean, most people know that it's a little creepy to be in the house by yourself. And you're like, this is weird. Um, no one likes to just walk up the stairs from their basement. I think I still ran up the stairs when I was in high school, which is just pathetic. I mean, because everyone knows all bad things happen in horror movies when you take a shower. So I don't know why I was even worried about the basement. But so, the, the, right? So, I mean, there's this sense that you run up. And my own kids, they do not like to go to the basement alone to shut the lights off. They regularly leave the lights on in the basement. I even asked my brother when he came, I'm like, can I rewire it so I can at least just shut the light off from upstairs? Because I'm like, kids, who left the light on? They have like a conference. They're like, will you go downstairs with me to shut the light off? I never sit down with my son to explain how irrational this, this solution is because his sister is nine and he's six. Any potential danger that she could actually save him from is only a two-year span. It would be a human being that is either seven or eight years old and, I, it, it, with malicious intent. And there's not a lot of, I don't sit down with them and explain that, but they're cool. They'll go down to the basement with a nine-year-old and they're like, this is good. And you're like, that's so irrational. But how many of you feel safe when your dog is walking with you in the middle of the night? What is your dog going to do? I mean, really... Maybe you've got a good dog that's going to fight or something like that, but I'm guessing if a person's going to attack you, they kind of thought of this as they saw you walking with your dog. So it's totally irrational because human beings can't protect you from anything, right? But the Lord says, I am always with you no matter what. And what kind of God do we have? He's not some wimpy God that can't do it. This is the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God that says no matter what. Isn't that what he said to his disciples? He said, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. Um, second thing, this is a picture, and I've told you this story before, but, so just bear with me just for the sake of the people who haven't heard it. Um, my kids and I, uh, this is a number of years ago, went to the Pacific Science Center. Can you see the picture? It's a little dark. No, like, uh, I'm like a bass fish. Those things that spin up there are shiny and they make noise. So we went there. This is uh, Isabella's, I'm I going to guess ages. I'm going to get them wrong. I should have figured it out. Petra was about 18 months, and Isabella was like three-something. So we go to the science center, we ride the city bus, and that's not the adventure that I'm talking about here. It was an adventure, of course, riding the city bus in Seattle. So we ride it all the way from our little suburb, and we go into Seattle, and we start playing with these water guns, which are pretty awesome. Does that look cool or what? When you shoot it, the things ping, and they spin, and they do cool stuff like that. This is awesome. So um, Isabel and I are lined up on these water guns, and we're trying to get them to hit each other. You can't do that. You can't actually turn them and shoot the other person, just so you know it's on a lock, not that we tried it. 
So we're spinning this, we're having a great time, everything's cool. And then I look over to see how Petra is in the jogger stroller, see if she thought it was funny, and the jogger stroller's not there. The jogger stroller is sideways in the water, and I'm just like, <laughs> and so I look thinking, I just killed my child, because she's going to be buckled in. But thankfully, um, this sounds funny, but thankfully I didn't, not only did not uh, put the brakes on apparently, but I didn't buckle her in either. So it's all, we're all, two wrongs do make a right. She is sideways, it's in the water, and I'm looking for my daughter. And here's another picture. I don't know if that one, um, to give you an idea how big this is. And here's the arrow. Sorry, they don't have arrows in the program that we use. So I'm here, jump, looking around, yelling her name, and my 18-month-old daughter is walking in the water with just her lips, just her lips above the water. And you, if you have kids, it's the most horrific experience. She can't hardly walk at this point. So I jump into the water, and I grab her, and I pull her out. And she's doing, she didn't say a peep, didn't cry, didn't do anything. She's just cool. And I'm just like crying and I'm like, I call the police just to make sure. They check to make sure everything's good. She didn't get water in her lungs and things like that. But what is God's promise to you? Do you ever read the Psalms? And it says, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in your, all your ways. When you face problems, and I know this is a little kind of negative reduction or something like that. Not only is the Lord always with you, but the Lord has protected us from dangers we don't even know about. I have no doubt that the angels are there protecting my daughter, because this does not make sense. A daughter falling and not saying a word and walking like 10 yards into this pool of water, and she's fine, not a peep. So God is even there when, for things that, how many of you have had close calls? You've been in a car wreck where your car starts to spin, or you've flipped and you're like, how am I alive at this point? Or your doctor even says, I don't know what's happening, but it's not there anymore. God uses his angels to protect you from things you're not even aware of. Uh, third thing, this is from Romans 8. There's a couple of good things in Romans 8. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, any powers, height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. There is not anything in this world that you can even conceive of that is really going to pull you away from the love. Any human relationship you have, there are things that are going to ruin it. Absolutely. It's, it's, so many human relationships are in a delicate balance, not your relationship with God. God says it doesn't matter. Demons, heights, death, no matter what, is not going to separate me from your love. Third thing we're picking up, and we got one more, uh, two more after this. Nothing can separate you from God's love. And the third one, uh, the fourth one, which I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, mostly because when people face disaster, I think as Christians we kind of jump to this verse. Have you ever done that? I think a little bit too quickly. And when someone is really mourning and hurting and saying, my world is falling apart, this would not be the quickest thing I would jump to. It makes some sense to listen. It makes some sense to remind him that God is with you that God is protecting you from things you're not even aware of. Nothing is going to separate you from God's love. And maybe after a while you can get to this point to explain to someone, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. No matter what you're facing, God, if God allows something in your life, he hasn't said I'm going to keep everything from you, but if he allows something in your life, you know it's for your eternal good. And there's a promise with that. But as you talk to other people, this won't be the first thing I bring up. Last one. 
we looked at Bible passages. This is just a picture. What does that guarantee you? When you know that the tomb is empty, it guarantees you that God loves you enough to say, I'm going to go to this earth. It guarantees you that God said, when I come to this earth, nothing is going to stop me. The religious leaders hated him. The disciples ran away. He's beaten, he's flogged, and he dies. But what is God's ultimate guarantee that you're going to be with him forever in heaven? He says, the tomb is empty. Your sins are forgiven. I don't know what problems you're going to face, and security is ultimately about trying to limit disappointment. You're going to have disappointments in this planet, but you can know that God is always looking out for you. He totally loves you. You're not going to be separated from your love. He allows things to happen. It's for your good. And some things you don't even know about, God has already protected you. But if you want proof to say that God loves me, the ultimate proof is the empty tomb, that your sins are gone, and you will be with him, and you'll be able to rest not on the landing of your stairs, not on the couch, but your ultimate resting place in heaven. Amen.